Hey guys, Jeff here from BestTechie.com, and this is Techie Bytes episode 20. Today I'm speaking with Rohan Castellino, VP of Marketing at Iris TV, which is a, person, a video personalization and programming platform. We discuss building a business with publishers, developing a loyal audience, and how to do video correctly. Enjoy. This podcast is supported by Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your own professional website. Choose a template you love or start from scratch, drag and drop to customize anything, and use advanced design features like video backgrounds and image galleries. You can even add professional business solutions like an online store, booking system, or blog. I've personally tested and reviewed Wix on Best Techie and can say without a doubt that Wix is extremely easy to use and a great choice for both novice and advanced users. So go ahead, try it yourself. Go to Wix.com and create your own website today. That's Wix, W-I-X.com. I'm here with Rohan Castellino, the VP of Marketing of Iris TV, which is a video personalization and programming platform for both uh, digital publishers and brands alike. And uh, I'd like to say welcome to Rohan. We've we've known each other for quite some time, so I really appreciate you spending some time with me today and being on on this episode. Uh, thanks, Jeff. Uh, a real pleasure. Um, I'm looking forward to having a really good discussion with you. Me too. I think I think what you guys are doing uh, at Iris TV is really um, is really interesting to me, especially, uh, and I think will be to our audience as well because. It's very sim- in a way is what, what you're doing is you've built a product um, for video that kind of what we were working on for Kaya, which was more text, you know, article based. Um, at least that's kind of how I think about it sometimes. But I'll let you talk about it. So so tell obviously you're the VP of marketing. You've been at Iris TV for several years now. How did you know? How did you get your start there? Who are you? And, and what specifically do you do on a day to day basis there? Sure. So, uh, like, thanks, Jeff. Uh, so, yeah, my name is Rohan Castellino. I'm the uh, vice president of marketing here at Iris TV. And uh, that's not exactly how it started. Um, you know, in 2013, I was doing my MBA at UCLA Anderson in LA. And I was looking to curate a panel on uh, content curation on the digital age, in the digital age. And I was introduced to uh, one of the co founders of Iris TV, Field Garthway. And uh, he was on my panel and we talked about all this great stuff about content curation, personalization, recommendations. And then shortly thereafter, they offered me, you know, an internship. And then, you know, I turned them down and went to a couple other places uh, <laughs> for my summer. Because uh, at that time, I wanted to work at, at the big movie studios. I went to Sony, then um, Universal and Paramount. But, you know, over the course of my experience there, I realized, you know, maybe it's best for me, these people to be my clients than my bosses. And then I continued the conversation with with Iris TV, and then came on board as an intern, and then uh, then on in a more business development role. And then, you know, as we grew the company, we found uh, you know a greater need for me to take on more of the, the combination of BD marketing and strategy. So uh, as of right now, uh, you know, I oversee um, the global marketing and strategic planning for you know for Iris TV, and uh, a lot of our initiatives from from media communications to product marketing to client development, uh, client success, product, um, kind of combining a lot of the the key app factors which impact uh, impact revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at a B2B tech startup, it's a little bit different than you know a lot of other environments. So, all of us we kind of you know roll up our sleeves and try to find ways to uh, ultimately you know help uh, 
you know, our clients, which are broadcasters and media companies, grow their businesses. Gotcha. So from intern to VP of marketing, um, how long, how many years have you been there at Irish TV right now? So probably, I would say since I first met the guys, about a little bit under five years, but I think officially about four years. Gotcha. That's pretty. That's a that's a pretty good trajectory right there. <laughs> that's awesome. So Not too clearly, bad. no. So clearly, so clearly, you're a valuable asset to the company. What does um and kind of bring it down to like let's say layman's terms here. What does Iris TV do? Um, if sure. you were explaining it to someone who's not really necessarily in this space, but you know, interested in technology and and, uh, and video. Yeah, so I'd say there's a couple of ways to do it, and I'll try to be as brief as possible. So, in a in a broad nutshell, you know, Iris TV is in the business of taking minutes back from Google and Facebook and giving them back to broadcasters and publishers on their owned and operated sites and apps. So, what do we mean by that? It's uh, we're essentially a video personalization and programming platform. Our clients use uh, our AI and machine learning technology to program video to their users on a one-to-one level. And the result is higher audience engagement, video views, and revenue. So again, maybe even I explain that even further. Essentially, when you when everybody goes on a website, you know, there is typically a video player which is presented on it, whether it's on an article or a video page. And uh, there are you know subsequent videos that follow that. It's called, called a playlist. And typically, you know, in the past, you know, you've had an editor who has to curate a playlist, and then millions of people are potentially seeing that one playlist. Well, our technology goes into their video player and then chooses what what videos to, to play next on a continuing basis to each individual user that comes onto that site. So instead of one playlist for millions of people, we're creating millions of playlists for millions of people. And we're doing that by understanding the context of what video is being watched, the device, the time of day, the browser, and a whole host of other factors to help determine what we think is the video which has the highest probability of being watched at completion. And then we keep doing that over and over again using machine learning and a variety of other AI-based technologies. So ultimately the goal is like to get people to be think the best revenue path for media companies is getting people to watch longer on the sites that they love. Mm-hmm. So, with, uh, so, so, so would it be fair to say that then the, the technology that you guys built and, and are continuing to build is not really seen by the by the end user, right? It, like they they don't know that they're using Iris TV or that that uh, it's just it's just you know because it's it's basically baked into that publisher's right. Uh, so exactly, so it's, it's we call it like a white label solution essentially. It's like you go uh-huh. onto a website whether it's like Hollywood Reporter or Entertainment Tonight or you know USA Today. You're as far as, as, far as the end user is concerned, you're watching. Um, video on, associated with USA Today, and and you are. Um, what essentially is like you know, underneath the behind the scenes, there's you know machine which is automating what comes next. Gotcha. So so if I if I were on let's say I don't know USA Today or something, and I was watching they I, you know it was close to the holiday season, they had a a Thanksgiving video that I was watching on how to cook a turkey or something. Your technology would then know. Um, Perhaps the next best thing to show me is like how to make stuffing or something. If they, assuming if they had a video on that as well. Yes, and then the rea- rea- reality is that, that that is that is a possibility. And the other possibility is that you know maybe based on other information, uh, a you know a highlight related to you know Thanksgiving football could also be mm-hmm. the best video to show. It's really not necessarily the uh, sometimes the best video to play is the video which is related in context to the previous video you watched, but. As we've understood data and users and a variety of different other factors, 
the best video to play is the, is the video that we think you have the best chance of, of watching. Uh, and that could also be a variety of like based on what's trending, based on also what the publisher wants to, to do as well. But yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's pretty much, that's, that's a good example as to what, what we typically would play next. If you're watching cooking videos, a good chance you're going to want to watch more cooking videos, but that's not always necessarily true. Right. That makes sense. So let's, let's flip this a little bit. What's, when you go into a, a, a meeting with a new publisher, new potential customer, what's, what's the pitch? What, you know, what do you, what do you tell them or, you know, whether it be a publisher or a brand, um, you know, how do you sell the product to them? Yeah, so I'd say the first thing we do is we try to avoid pitching and do more listening. So I think um, understanding your customer and the type of customers you have is really important. So, you know, like, you know, straight, straight out of the uh, B2B, you know, account-based marketing playbook, we have, you know, a variety of different customer profiles. And we try to understand what's what are the key factors and the key pain points which are going to impact their, their business. I think in the beginning, um, anybody who needed to increase video inventory was – the right customer uh, but now as more and more folks are you know are getting wise upon automation and using machine learning and a variety of other techniques to help increase engagement on their websites uh, we're finding that you know programming uh, and being able to program at scale is one of the bigger challenges out there so you know what a you know a broadcaster like a disney abc deals with is different necessarily than like a gannett and it could be different from you know some of uh, some of the smaller publishers but ultimately it's um being able to figure out what are their best particular business goals are and how do how can our solutions be utilized to help them achieve their success. So, if, you know, one of the key things could be, you know, when it comes to some of our clients have like hundreds of thousands of videos in their in their archive. And when they first put put those things in place, they didn't really have the intention of of using those to be creating smart, you know, playlist tools which could um, you know, automate the programming of those content to users. So they have pretty crappy metadata. So what we have to do is, you know, we'll see. All right, well, great. You all, your goal is to be able to program your content to users based on a variety of categories, a variety of rules. You know, the first thing we're going to need to do is clean up this metadata. So we'll, you know, utilize one of our own tools or a third party, and then ultimately help them you know, along the way to, you know, achieving their goals. Part of what we want to try to be is, you know, doctors more than like salesmen. You know, ultimately mm -hmm. be able to ask, you know, good qual, good questions, understand what your symptoms are. And then provide you know a solution which we think can help you know you achieve what your particular aim is. Right. So speaking of that's actually a really great transition to uh, to the next question that I wanted to discuss with you, which is you work with a lot of these digital publishers, uh, and you're in the business right now of listening to you know figure out and ask the best questions, like you said, to understand uh, their symptoms so you can provide a solution to that. What what is the biggest challenge or challenges that you think they're facing? Um, to date as of right now based on the conversations you've had? Right, right, right. So um, good question. So yeah, I think I, it, there's there's many, but I would say um, I think one of the ones we're seeing, I think, it, well, going back a couple of steps, in the beginning, I think, I, like I said earlier, it was like, we need we need more video views, right? Um, we need people, we want to sell more ads. I think now we're getting to a point where it's really what it comes down to is to being able to program at scale and being able to utilize automation with human oversight, and I think that's kind of that the, striking that right balance between uh, human and machine. Uh, I think this, there's a fear of uh, installing black boxes, which are essentially you know you're putting all your trust into one major technology provider. We've seen the challenges that a lot of these publishers have faced with doing that with like Facebook, for instance. Right, I mean, right. the, you know, we live and die by the algorithm. 
Uh, and also being able, even with these distributed platforms, it's the idea is that, you know, um, utilizing these things, like essentially they've sold their house to like Facebook and Google and now they're, now they're, now they're leasing it back. So one of the challenges, yeah, one of the challenges they face though is like, all right, now that, you know, we've had this come to Jesus moment, you know, our owned operate operated sites are really important. Um, all right, getting started, like, you know, what are some of the best practices we need to follow? Um, and you know, what, you know, what can we, how can we control your AI and how can we understand how it works? Uh, so a lot of that has to do with like, not just like advancing the technology, but really educating and working with, um, a lot of the, the customers to, you know, think like, you know, having product people also think like editors, having editors think like data scientists a little bit, because ultimately it's like, you know, these, we want these folks to do what they do best, just creating really compelling content, whether that's, you know, uh, original stories or covering the news, um, and they want you want them to be able to really focus on on that kind of stuff. At the same time, you know, you also need them to be somewhat knowledgeable about what's what what data can really help you with. It's not as we we had this one client which uh, I won't name, but it was a major daytime broadcast daytime TV talk show host, and one of the our our um, the product people or the editorial people on their team was like, look, this person's not going to use your data to inform you know what what show they're going to run on Tuesday, but we use your data to help us figure out like how, you know, what should we clip the, what should we clip these to short form uh, pieces into and when should we distribute them and on when and how should we use social to help drive engagement on our own out. So that was a person who started their career, uh, you know, as a TV writer and now all of a sudden has, has is somewhat data literate. Uh, not that they understand the uh, Python and you know, all the algorithms which can be used to you know, extract data insights, but at least you know, using being as, as a subject matter expert, knowing you know, what the signal from the noise is and being able to kind of figure out where they should be focusing their attention. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of a big challenge. Um, is, and it's, it's, I think everybody's facing that. So part of what we try to take leadership on is not just, again, like you know, selling you know, the, the algorithm in the black box, but you know, helping them understand how they can help themselves Right. No, I think one thing that you that you hit on that, that I completely agree on, not, not to toot my own horn here, but I this is something I've been saying for years and years and years, which is if you're running a, you know, a media company, digital publication, whatever, you you have to have a hub and everything goes around that hub. You can't you, sh- you cannot rely on a third party to just, you know, to, as your sole, you know, either place of distribution or. Uh, promotion or whatever, you know, you, you need to be able to have a strong central hub. And I always, I always believed, and I still do that, that, you know, that is your own, uh, your own website or, or mobile app or whatever. Um, and it just, you know, that's, it, that's just the way it is. And it's, it has to be, you have to be able to build a, build a strong brand that people want to go to as a destination, not, you know, not just kind of an afterthought or, oh, I clicked on this link type of thing. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, it's being able to use the, these other channels in the right way. It's like, you know, make sure your best experience is in your home and then use, you know, the all these other great places where your users are to bring in new users. And then once they're in your place, really, you know, create a compelling experience and a reason as to why they should come back. And uh, that should always be, like, you know, first and foremost, the priority. Right. No, I 100% agree. So we, you know, we talk a lot uh, about video or there's been, and there's also been a lot written about video and how these, a lot of these uh, media companies, what, you know, there there was this thing called the pivot to video. 
Right. Um, which 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 worked for some companies and didn't work for others. Um, and I think that was probably because you know there was that there was that approach that you know everyone took kind of the same approach. They thought that if you know if it worked for one company, it'll it, you know it'll work for us, uh, which never is is the case or very rarely is the case. Um, clearly, you guys are are in the video business, but um, you know in terms of helping these 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 media companies, did you? Um, I mean, I guess, do you have any particular thoughts in terms of why the whole pivot to video phenomenon kind of fizzled out, uh, if you will? I, I realize it's still a video is still an important aspect of many of these of these players, but it certainly isn't the same as, let's say, a year or two ago. Yeah, and it's when I think about this, I think about also about a, you know one of my favorite movies, uh, A League of Their Own, with the. Uh, Tom Hanks and there's a scene with like Tom Hanks and Gina Davis and they're going back and forth, you know, and she says it's hard. And Tom Hanks is says, like, yeah, it's supposed to be hard. It's hard because <laughs> it's good. And if it was hard, if it was easy. Everybody would do it. And video is hard, you know, and it's like, it's being able to understand just, just, it's not a magic thing you can just switch to. It's like, you really need to understand, like going back to the basics, understand your audience. Why are they engaging with your content in the first place? What is the context that video will play a role in. Um, you know, th there are some folks where you just need, you can just syndicate a bunch of third party contacts, content or use things like watch it or Wibbits, and maybe that can hold the fort down. But if your audience is there for like long form, you know, deep dive uh, journalism, then, you know, being able to supplement video appropriately is a different thing altogether. You have a different type of audience. Um, so I would say like the pivot to quality is important and that's where you know how does video play a role in that um so i think some of the people who did a pretty good job with it um we're not we weren't pivoting to video it's like pivoting almost implies somehow that you're changing strategic direction versus looking at you know how can we supplement or augment you know our our, our strategy or audience with you know with an extension of ourselves i think that was kind of you know the problem is you had folks who just thought that you know we can just put video and it's going to work I think to do, give yourself a fair shake, and you know, a first you need to have a strategy is how you think video is going to be, you know, informative and delight and surprise your audiences. That should be your your priority number one. Is like, you know, how do I, how can I make the value of my property better to an audience? Number two is that give yourself enough, you know, budget and runway to test out what's working and what isn't, and then be being able to make a decision based on that information. Otherwise, it's like if you. You know, put all your eggs in one basket. If you try to, you know, go try to copy what everybody else is doing, you're bound to fail. Um, like yeah. people don't get fired for your typically for bad strategy, they get fired for bad execution. But it's a in this game, it's like you need you need to really be smart all around and figure out like what's really going to resonate with your audiences, and don't just copy something because that's what the crowd's doing. Right. No, absolutely. I 100% agree. I think you know one of the things is I started doing video. Oh God, I'm going to make myself sound really old. Uh, 2008. <laughs> wow. I started. I started creating video content on YouTube back then, um, and and one thing I realized early on was so I would create this video content. Uh, you would be, you know it would be uh, tips, advice, kind of uh, thoughts on different subjects, uh, roundups, stuff like that, and and I realized that uh, you know not everyone likes to watch videos. Some people just want to be able to get the information, you know, uh, over text. Um, so what I, one of the things I ended up doing was while the video traffic uh, and, and views were continuing to go up, 
whenever I brought that video content to my actual website and I wrote an article about it, I actually included a whole write-up along with that right. video. Um, it took me more time and more effort, but the results were much better. Um, so, yeah, like basically what I'm getting at is, like I said, there's no quick fix that you have to. And also there's, you know, there's no kind of easy way of ever doing it. Uh, if you try and take that easy route, you know, take those shortcuts. Uh, yeah, you're, you know, you're absolutely you right. Get, I yeah. mean, like the, the Internet is still very much a, a hybrid of many different formats and the, the right formats, the one that your users like. And uh, and it might be multiple ways to do it. Sometimes, you know, it's a listicle, sometimes it's long form. And then it's like that's kind of where, you know, it's not like there's no one size fits all experience, but it's definitely not all text. It's definitely not all video. Um, and, uh, you know, there, that's why, you know, things like Reddit and Craigslist still do well because they've understand a context which really works for their audience. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So I want to change gears a little bit and talk about uh, GDPR a little bit, which recently went into effect uh, late last month, May 25th. I'm just curious that all, if at all, if there's been any effect on, on the Iris TV business. Um, and if so, like, how have you guys handled, uh, handled that uh, to, to, to that effect? Uh, no, luckily for us, uh, GDPR has been pretty uh, uh, smooth. Uh, we we're, you know, fully compliant with all the rules and regulations. It's been, you know, pretty. Uh, it's been a pretty smooth uh, transition so far. That's good. I mean, I, I I know that there are a lot of there are certain. Uh, I think the the L.A. Times and, and and various other publications have shut down their their walls. Uh, shut, you know, right. you know, closed up shop in in, in Europe uh, because because of GDPR. Um, so I mean, so it's 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 good that you know people who at least are using your product don't have to be concerned about that particular uh, aspect of their business. Yeah, um, absolutely. I read an article that you wrote a while back, and one of the things you talked about was that, and we've kind of touched on it, you know, a little bit already, but is that how publishers should be really thinking about building loyal audiences online, and as opposed to kind of just driving, you know, views and clicks and, you know, whatever they can do to get more eyeballs. They, you have to really, right. and I agree with this, uh, the sentiment. Um, uh, what, you know, how do you, how do you think about uh, building an, a loyal audience? Like what, you know, what are things that you um, would take into account uh, when, you know, building a strategy to do that? Sure. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, there's 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 a few key things. One is from from a general perspective, and then, then there are very specific prescriptive things that people can do um, off the bat to get things going. So I'd say you know, first of all, there's a rea the reality is that there's a temptation out there to constantly be where your audience is, and that mentality is there kind of you know for good reason. It's you know how often a day do you go to a dot com versus opening up your Facebook and YouTube app to directly get the content you want. Um, there's a lot of habits, and to why those platforms are successful is that they've created engaging user experiences, and there's a network effect of being around your tribes. Uh, whereas it's like when you go to a .com, there you have a high, very specific intent of going to some of those places versus going to like third parties to access it. So with that in mind, you should then think about it from like a reverse angle. If somebody's coming to my site with they have a, you know it's almost kind of like if they're going to you know Amazon.com and, and already typing in what the product they want. They're, they're pretty close to like knowing you know what you, what your brand is, what you have to offer, and what they expect to get out of it. So then it's really really important for them for you to understand them, and you know quantitatively and, and qualitatively, and then continue to provide them a compelling reason to return. So, so I think you know it's a long way of saying it starts with having a data driven mentality. So 
part of that is is like when it comes to your assets themselves, having a good metadata and tagging habits, having a taxonomy, um, having a you know workflow where when you're you know adding video to the library, you're having the proper category, you're having you know the essential keywords that whether you're using you know machine learning solutions like us or other you know, discovery platforms, you're, you're your, your, your content's in the right place to be discovered and, and programmed, so to speak. And then being able to, you know, evaluate the data to see what content categories are really resonating. What percentage of my library are driving the most video views? What assets, what type of assets, what length, what format on mobile, on non-mobile? These are all kind of different segments of data which have, can have some predictive and prescriptive benefit from it. And then even being able to segment and filter your data by, you know, users like new, returning, loyal. Like you don't need to know specifically all this demographic data to get some sort of collaborative understanding of how, you know, the, the cohorts of folks who interact with your content is. So if you understand, you know, what what's driving engagement from new users versus like your loyal ones, are you create are you creating like loyalty? Are you creating user fatigue on your on your audience based on having too many Trump videos or not enough Trump videos? Or, you know, so being able to figure that out, is really important because ultimately you want to, it's not necessarily about taking a bigger share of the pie from Facebook and YouTube. It's about making the pie bigger and getting right. more engagement from the users you have. And that's something I think it's a mentality that I think, you know, e-commerce and retailers understood for a while. It's like a central tenet of like customer relationship management, which is ultimately to, it's better to sell more things to fewer customers than acquiring new customers and selling one thing. The same mentality should be true for like for publishing. It's like once you understand your loyal base, the ones who come back organically, you're not going to have to pay for you know, third-party audience acquisition tools or invest too much more in Facebook because you can really develop a sustained audience. And that can impact a lot of other marketing tactics. So knowing you know, when your users have the highest engagement, is, that's probably the time to you know, send out you know, more newsletters or, or republishing uh, content on, on, uh, on your homepage is based on which videos have the lowest, you know, bounce rate or retention rate. So these are all like things which are kind of, you know, day-to-day -day stuff, but also the approach of, of looking at data and not being intimidated by it. And also like, you don't have to let the robots determine what you do. Like I said, it's ultimately the subject matter experts are there and with, with a little bit more information, it's almost kind of like a scouting report for like, uh, if you're for using another sports analogy. Mm -hmm. um, to understand, you know, what was what's resonating. So you have yourself a little bit more of an edge. And then if you, and that, that really, you know, magnifies that value at scale is like, you know, if you're able to get one person to watch one more video, um, then multiply that by, like, you know, hundreds of thousands of millions, that's not, you know, trivial revenue you've driven. Now you can fund all these other things like hiring new journalists or a variety, a variety of other activities which help grow your business. Right. Absolutely. So, as VP of marketing at Iris TV, when uh, you know, I, I, there's two parts to this question. Actually, I want to go on. When when you're putting together a go-to market kind of campaign, um, where do you start? And if you were to, if you were in this position um, when you first started at Iris TV, and you guys were you know bringing your go-to market campaign and strategy to fruition. Um, you know, what would you, you know, how would you, how would you approach it differently? Uh, good, good question. That's like the, always the benefit, you know, of hindsight, but also some of the realities that even if you, all the information you knew, you, you know, now, and you could apply then, would you do things differently? 
And sometimes yeah. the answer is maybe, and sometimes their answer is really don't have a choice. So you see that now that we've developed like our like this whole like ideal customer profile, the personas, and all these great tactics and, and information we have on how to sell now. In the beginning, when you're just starting up, you know the right customer is any customer, right? Anybody who's willing to like, you know, use you. Amen because, to that. Because <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Because in the beginning, you're kind of like you can, especially if you're like in a blue ocean or you're in, you're a technology in a in a disrupted area. First, you have to convince the world that the problem exists. There's a solution to the problem, and then they should trust you as their first client or something. You know, fair. So, it's you really have to go out there and hit, you know, hit the pavement. But what you're actually doing, you are doing by accident, even if not, it's your intent is that you're doing the key thing is understanding the customer. So, you know, you're understanding the the wants, needs, pains, fears. Uh, you're doing it more like intuitively and holistically than you really are from a distinct strategy because you're just constantly out there, but over time you're building it's almost kind of like the, going to like Malcolm Gladwell's like blank you're developing a lot of intuitive information that isn't necessarily you don't necessarily articulate it but when you do later it's, it's you really understand that you know you've been able to figure out you know what customer stands to, or account in a business to business term is really um, stands to gain the most from uh, from this um, offering and then you have to look at about it within the organization you know who stands to gain to get a promotion or get fired like who has the most stakes involved with that, and then you start understanding how you need to be, you know, communicating your message, and that's kind of where you go from the transition from pitching, you know, to strategic listening, mm-hmm. and then I think really the key thing is that where possible to develop partnerships with other technology providers. If you're in the, if you're a technology startup, where you can um, reach the customers via an established relationship, then do so. So in our case. You know, our technology integrates with with the video player. So, you know, we develop relationships with the likes of like Brightcove and, you know, Kaltura and JW and whoever else is involved with video. And, you know, as long as our technology was able to integrate with their technology, you know, for a time time being, then we didn't have to necessarily go out and directly, you know, pitch um, a client on, you know, completely trusting us out of the out of the gate because they already were doing business with a partner. So we're able to kind of leverage each other's brand uh, brand equity in that sense, and then after we're you know we're integrated, we get you know we get them to give us a logo, and then we have two logos, three logos, a case study, that starts <laughs> snowballing, right? And then you can have, um, and then they're all kind of competing with each other to want to get greater attention from us and our marketing materials. So, right, um, that social proof yeah. is always a yeah, always exactly. <laughs> so, so you you guys work with a lot of video. Uh, creators, obviously, both brands and publishers. And who, in your opinion, who's doing video really, really, really uh, well right now? Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll give you some specifics, but I guess I'll start it off by saying it's like the ones who are doing video well are really the ones who understand their their audience. Like I'm going to keep hitting that over and over again. Because mm-hmm. the reality is it's like it's there's no necessarily silver bullet for like the perfect asset length you know, the perfect um, video format. Uh, it's really the, the right format for the right stuff. But you know, having said that, I think in news, like we've worked with a lot of news publishers. So we have like Northern and Shell in the UK and US and Gannett in the US. And I think though, especially when it comes to news, it's really important, especially in this, this era of a very highly you know, contentious political upheavals and you know, controversies and polarization. You know, trust in media is really important. So there's always this balance of being able to, you know, maintain your editorial standards, but also trying to optimize revenue and user experience. So I'd say, you know, Gannett and USA Today and Northern and Shell doing a pretty good job. They're being able to integrate, you know, video with text and not, you know, over 
not creating too much fatigue with content, you know, really mixing in the right ad frequencies, uh, and you know, being selective of who they bring in from, like whether it's branded content partners and into the mix. And then again, like constantly using the data um, to go back and forth to kind of make little pivots and tweaks and are unafraid of testing, which is really important. Getting a culture in your company of, of testing, whether it's, you know, A-B testing or trying out different, um, you, know, uh, you know, pages, page settings, it's, uh, it's a good mentality. And then, you know, the results pay off for themselves pretty quickly. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I'm a huge fan of testing uh, myself. I love, you know just tweaking and, and playing and I, I'm probably an over tester to a certain degree. Um, there's pro- I probably, you know, I, I, I probably could, you know, hone in on particular tests that I run and, and, and things better. Um, but, but clear, I do think that, 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 that having a, a strategy and being open to testing new services, products, tools is always the, you know, best approach because it leads you to um, to learning new things that you may not have known otherwise. Uh, and I just think that's really important for any business, really, whether whether it's publishing or, or not. Um, yeah, I, I, t- totally. It's like it's one of those things. That's why it's like, a, you know, um, being able to uh, not just you know, give yourself the right. I mean, also, you know, being data literate to a certain degree of being able to because you put garbage data in, you're going to get garbage insights out. Yep. So uh, setting uh, setting yourself up for like almost with a mentality. If I was to make a report in one month or two months, what are the key things I would be looking to learn, and then working backwards to figure out, you know, what you what you ought to be measuring? Because I think we're also overwhelmed with data. There's like we have so many third party like analytics tools which are out there, and you can get overwhelmed with it, and you can and you really can't see the forest of the trees or the signal from the noise. So it's really understanding what what specific business outcomes you want to to achieve and get insights for, and then then you can start kind of prioritizing how to use data correctly. That's a great point. So speaking of ads, uh, you know, we were talking a little, we were talking about ads in, in passing, you know, during this conversation. I'm curious if you have any thoughts in terms of which ad model works better. Is it, you know, the, the, the pre-roll kind of how YouTube does it or, 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 is, or is Facebook onto something with their mid-roll ads? Yeah, I think the, I mean, the context matters, right? When we're watching like TV or we're watching like on, on OTT or SVOD service uh, on our couch, there's a certain expectation of what that ad experience is versus when we're on our, our phone or on our, our laptop. So I think some degree, the, the success of pre-roll and mid-roll yes, has some you know connection to that, to the context of how you're viewing it. So if I'm watching like, you know, uh, an episode on Hulu or something, like I'm used to having that like that, that chunk in the middle um, which is going to be, you know, I mean, essentially a mid-roll, even though it's uh, it's like an act break in a show. But if I'm in the right, middle right. of watching, you know, a piece of, like a three to five minute video and there's a mid-roll in it, um, it really depends on how the content is served with the advertising experience. Do I find it disrupting, or do I find that the you know a fair price to pay for conti- for continuing to experience the content that I've chosen to watch? So I think I think pre-roll is a pretty good tool, especially for like you know if you do it, do it correctly, right? It's like you go on a site, you've chosen to watch a video. There's almost kind of an unspoken you know agreement between content provider and user. It's like all right, this is the toll I'm going to pay for this. And sometimes you know you get to skip it, and sometimes you have to watch the whole thing. You know the challenge sometimes is where you have like you know a um, a 25 second video with like you know a minute pre-roll. Like that's <laughs> yeah, that can yeah. be very frustrating, right? 
Um, yeah. So figuring that balance out is important. And then also now branded branded content's playing you know a bigger role. Um, we're seeing and where you're able to mix in the difference, you know, maybe a pre-roll video and then a branded video with no pre-roll, which is in context to, you know, the, 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 the content category that's previous video came from, and then maybe having ad holidays. So experiencing different types of ad frequencies. So sometimes if you get somebody to watch four, three or four more videos, they might actually complete more, a few more ads. So you actually might be able to, you know, get higher revenue with, um, with, with fewer pre-rolls. So, right. that makes um, sense. yeah, no, I, I mean, one of the things I noticed uh, if I'm watching a video on YouTube, on um, Facebook, I mean, um, and then they, and then they have those new mid roll ads that come in. I, there, there must be so, there must be so much technology behind the scenes that kind of figures out when to insert that mid roll ad, because it's always at a point where it's like, I could either keep going or not, but it's always like. I need to find out what what the next thing is, you know, what the next piece of information or what's going to happen next right. in the video. Um, so, you know. yeah, I, I, I think the jury's still out. Like, I'm not going to like I haven't like we're going to pick a side on on that issue yet. <laughs> no, but because yeah. um, I think I, it really it's like we, more testing is is needed. I think again, it's like it's you, whatever you want to do. It's like you need to have established sense of trust with the audience member. So if they're if they're looking at it and this is like. You know, a social, you know, experience, uh, and this is what comes comes with it. That's fine, but you, you like you don't want to burn people with with stuff. I mean, we've seen this. You know, part of the reason we're having a, the 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 browser um, changes to auto autoplay is that autoplay is a really great tool. But some people are like auto playing videos, then having ads playing with sound and like five different things going on at the same time. It's like this is why we can't have nice things. Yeah, so 100% you know, agree. <laughs> and unfortunately, like the, the, sometimes the solution is. You know, can be more can can really be damaging um, to the entire you know prospect of making money on the internet too. So, you know, we all need to figure things out. And ultimately, again, going back to the key thing I keep hitting on is understand the audience and providing compelling experiences. That's how we. If that's the mission all the way, then a lot of the other good things can can come along with it. And uh, and you know, and and everybody can win. Definitely. So let's so let's get to the lightning round. What do you say? Right. Lightning, lightning round. All right. Here we go. So the lightning round is supported by Wix, where uh, you can create a professional-looking website. And that's Wix. That's Wix.com. W-I-X.com. So when you're ready, let's do this. Okay, let's go for it. All right. Hulu or Netflix? Netflix. Favorite place to shop online? Amazon. IHOP or IHOB? I don't even know what IHOB is. Does that say something about me? <laughs> oh, it, well, maybe there. Uh, <laughs> there was a. So I I'll, I'll, I'll recap really quick. So IHOP, you know, you, you're familiar with IHOP, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So they they did this whole marketing campaign, uh, and then yesterday they announced that they're changing from IHOP, I'm IHOP to IHOB because it's 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 not for real, but apparently they they want to emphasize their their new burgers that they're promoting. So it's, it's oh, a God. marketing campaign, <laughs> but, and it's just blew up online. <laughs> and like, All right, so I, I like I'm not a big fan of uh, of, the, of pancakes. I'm a waffle guy, so I okay. probably will go with burgers. I have. All right, I have. There you go. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Anyway, I, sh place... I should be drinking more tea though. <laughs> Best place you've uh, you've traveled to? Ooh, so I've been very fortunate to travel to a lot of places in my life. I lived in China for six years. Um, I'll say. Um, 
Australia and uh, the Great Ocean Road in Melbourne. It was a road trip with two of my best buddies a couple of years ago. And we were able to uh, camp out under uh, the stars uh, in the Southern Hemisphere, which is a pretty incredible sight. That sounds awesome. I've never yeah. been to Australia. I've been many places, but I've not been to Australia. It's on my list uh, of, of places to go for sure. No, it's incredible. You got to do it. Uh, I will make sure I move it up my list then. <laughs> Rohan, well, I appreciate you taking the time to spend with us. You have survived the lightning round and the podcast. Yeah, I have. <laughs> Um, so I, I just, before you go, if there's any, uh, if anyone wants to get in contact with you after, after listening to this episode, what's the best place or way for them to do that? Yeah, you can, uh, you know, reach me, I email it's Rohan at R O H A N at iris.tv. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Rohan CCC. Uh, feel free. Yeah, feel free to reach out. I'm more than happy to you know, answer questions. Um, appreciate it. Great. Well, Rohan, thanks a lot for being on. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Techie Bites. Stay tuned for more episodes every Tuesday with awesome interviews and conversations about technology and business. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting the podcast at anchor.fm slash besttechie and or by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Both ways help us greatly and are much appreciated. So thank you. Until next time, we'll see you. And remember, remember, take care of your computers.